Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. All right. Hey, last week we began the story of King David, of David, the shepherd, becoming a king, becoming uh, King David that we know a man after God's own heart, right? Uh, and we, we were talking about how he was to be the next ruler over the nation of Israel and that he was anointed to be this next ruler by God through the prophet Samuel. And he's to follow the current king, King Saul. Right? By the end of last week, though, David, right, the shepherd, still hadn't made it to be king. Right? He was still living life as a shepherd out in the wilderness. Now, while he did defeat the great Philistine warrior Goliath, which I'm sure a lot of the kids could tell us that story, right? And he, he got the people of Israel's attention. He grabbed their attention. It was still not time to take center stage, though, for David. Right? David did not go straight from being this teenage shepherd the shepherd boy to the, the king of an entire nation, just like that, after Samuel leaves after the anointing of him. Right? David had to wait his turn under the rule of their current king, that king, King Saul. Now, despite the, the fact that David was the only one who trusted God enough to defeat Goliath, this, this giant in battle, right? Saul was still in charge. He was still the boss, which made him the ruling authority of the time. So no matter how popular David started to be become, David still had to wait. Right? He may have had the influence and the respect of all the, the people, but he did not have the position. And when it comes to authority, right, the position that someone has is the point, Right? Right? The, the same thing that was true in ancient Israel is still true right now in our world. Right? Let's, let's think about it. Whether it is a, a job or our job or, or our kids' schools or the HOA boards in our communities or the, the sports leagues or the, the city councils, we know what it's like to live under the authority of someone who is in charge. All right, whatever scale we want to look at it, we, we know what it means to live under someone who's in charge, right? We're, we're constantly answering uh, to someone. And the thing is, is we never imagined, though, that adulthood would be this way, right? We didn't think like this when we were young, right? I was just talking with Christina a couple of weeks ago, and, and she told me, after, well, we weren't really talking, I was trying to get her out of bed for like the 20th time kick her out of bed, say, we got to go. And she said, I thought adulthood meant that I could sleep in all the time, right? Right? Something that when you become adult, you never get to do, right? Right? We imagined that when we became adults, we could have ice cream, right, with every meal or, or dessert after every, every meal, right? We thought we could do whatever we wanted, that we would finally be the adults or the, the, not the adults, that we would be the boss when we became the adults, Right? No more answering to someone else. But 
in adulthood, you realize pretty quickly that is not the way that it works. You can't have ice cream with every meal. You can't sleep in every day. There will almost always be someone else that we have to answer to. And listen, that's not a bad thing, right? But it can be a complicated thing, right? Especially when we don't think the person in charge is the best person for the job. And that is the tension, right? Right? And to look at it another way or to say it another way, it's this, right? The tension comes when we think we could do a better job than the person we are currently answering to, right? That we could do a better job than our boss or that authority figure. That's the complication. That's the tension that we're going to talk about today, right? Because most of us have had an experience with someone in authority who clearly did not have what it took to do the job well, or even at all, right? Maybe it was your direct boss or a, a supervisor that you've had in the past, or maybe it was the CEO of the entire company, or maybe it was the, the teacher in the classroom. In fact, you may be in this exact situation right now, and the image of the person in authority has already popped into your head, right? You're picturing that person who you think, they may be the boss, but they don't know what's going on, right? right? Kirsten better not be picturing <laughs> me in her head, right? right? And when you, you think about the, uh, that person and that situation, right, it, it can start to get kind of complicated, and that's the tension. That's the, that's the mess that we're in, right? Because when you think the person in charge is not doing such a, a great job and that you could do it better, it, it can be easy to transition into thinking that you no longer need to respect that person, right? right? That you are, are more mature or more of a responsible adult than that person. That if you were in charge, things would be better than what they are right now. Or maybe it is that you, you had a run-in with an authority figure sometime in your life, and you felt things were handed, handled unfairly, right? You felt cheated at the outcome of a particular situation, and it put you at a, at a disadvantage. And so you're thinking if you were in charge, the, the situation would have been handled very, very differently. Or maybe you're, you just had a bad experience, Right? Or maybe even on the other side of that, it wasn't a bad experience with someone in authority. Maybe your experience was that the person in authority themselves was just a bad person, right? They had corrupt morals. Uh, they, they had very little sense of right and wrong. They stole from the company. They got involved in relationships that they never should have been involved in, or they fired people without grounds, right? This was more, of just, this was more than just an unfortunate situation. It was, a, it was a pattern that you're having to, to work under or to be under, right? right? You may have never been personally involved with people uh, like this, like we're talking about, but chances are you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? 
right? People who use authority for, for selfish gain, hypocrites who have an uncanny knack for always shifting the blame away from themselves, or, or being uh, working with master manipulators who lack uh, self-awareness, leaving just an emotional uh, trail of chaos and wake behind them for others to clean up. Right? All of us in this room or watching online have experienced someone like that. Right? And when we do, we find ourselves uh, thinking things like, man, that, that, that police officer is an idiot, or... Or my boss is terrible at her job. Or, or does he even know how to run a company? And if I were in their position, I would do a better job. Why am I not in charge? Or, or how in the world is that person even elected to that position? Or, or we just can go on and on and on. Now, we may not say these words exactly, but that is the idea. Right? It's the feeling that we know better. Right? That we could, we could do better. And it does not take long for this thinking to start to kind of eat away and chip away at us, right? Letting that feeling of of deserving their position, their title, and their power, and not having it ultimately affect the way we treat that person and the position of authority that that person is in. We begin to make that shift, and we can feel justified in our thinking, and maybe even justified in our behavior of this less than ideal authority figure, but long term, man, it's just, it's just not helpful, right? Right, to, to live like that, to think like that, to always, uh, to always have that over our heads, and so what is helpful, right? How can we, how can we defeat this, this tension? What can we do? Well, this is, this is how we peel this onion, right? We got to think about the alternative, right? We got we to gotta think about the other options, the other ways of thinking and doing. We got to think about the alternative approach, right? What is the alternative when you are stuck under authority that you do not respect, you do not like, and you do not think is qualified, right? What are the other options? And that is where David comes in, right? That's where he comes into the picture. The boy who would become king but was not yet king, right? right? If you ever dealt with a, a difficult person in charge, you and David share something in common, right? His, his challenging authority in life was King Saul, right? right? The, the king who would one day David would be replacing, that was his challenging authority. And remember, right, David was singled out as the guy to lead Israel, right, to be the king, to be the king of God's chosen people. God had singled him out for that task. It had been announced in front of his family. And on top of that, David has just received that instant celebrity uh, status after single-handedly slaying a giant named Goliath and posting it to his Instagram, right? <laughs> he got famous, right? In fact, following, following David's moment in the sun, Saul had taken notice of David, right? Had taken notice of him and eventually making him commander of the entire Israelite uh, men of war, <laughs> 
right? The army. And once when, when David was returning home from a particular battle after successfully defeating the enemy, a uh, fight with the Philistines, the women of, of the, the cities of the towns greeted him with, with song. They were singing to him. Look at what it says in, in 1 Samuel 18. It says, Saul, right, the current king, has killed thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Listen, when, when women sing and dance in your honor, pretty popular, right? right? And when, when it happens in all the cities of Israel's, Israel, you're, you're really popular, right? This, this little ditty, this little song, right, was the, the number one hit in Israel, right? right? Saul, he's killed his thousands, but, but David, his tens of thousands, they're playing a song, Right? I would have sang that, but I don't know actually how it went. Right? And if Saul did not already have a complex, man, right? if he didn't already have a complex about this young leader, he did now, right? right? Yeah, the, uh, this young man was now stealing his thunder. There were no ladies singing his name, right? Well, only that he's second best, right? That's not a good look. It's not a good look. And so what did Saul do? Well, apparently he had been listening to some of those, those uh, Christina and I have been listening to some of those serial killer podcasts because the only conclusion that Saul could come up with was to kill David. <laughs> I mean, Saul tried to kill David. It's just a totally normal reaction in this situation. And this was not just one time. Right? This was not just one time. Saul was overwhelmed with jealousy so many times, multiple times over a, a long period of time. He tried to have David killed in every way imaginable. Saul was consumed with taking David's life. He was relentless in his pursuit of David. He was like, like Gollum and the ring and the Lord of the Rings, right? He like Ishmael uh, with that, that, the white whale and Moby Dick. He was like the Bengals and a playoff win, Christina, right? Or the Cowboys trying to win it all, right? <laughs> just as bad. <laughs> they make a case there. But let's just say, right, Saul, right, he has an ax to grind, and he wants David dead. Right? Now, by God's provision, right? By God's provision, David was surrounded by a group of men who believed in him and his leadership and his calling, who recognized him as the next king over Israel. And these were not just regular men, right? Their, their nickname was literally David's mighty men. Right? They were warriors, soldiers, men with skills who had fought alongside David in battle. They were his band of brothers, his iron council, if you will. And when you picture this group of men, you probably picture men shining their short swords and, and sharpening their arrows and getting ready to fight for the honor of David and his kingship. And while it would make for a great movie or a, a TV show, a great story, right? These men would be justified in a fight against Saul, the current king, but David chose a different route. 
Right? David, he, he chose to take the men who supported him, these, these mighty men that the Bible describes, who supported him, he took them, and he just left town. He just left town, right? Saul and David had been involved in a back and forth, a, a cat and mouse uh, chase that seemed like forever. And you can, you can read about how, how David was feeling in the book of Psalms. He, he, he's saying he's exhausted in this battle. He's exhausted living underneath Saul. Right? He's angry, he's brokenhearted, he's confused, he's worn down. You can, you can read about these emotions in the book of Psalms. And he was taken, and so he's taken his men to, to rest, to hide in the hills, thinking we just need a break from this man. Right? We need some rest, we need to regroup. And one more time, Saul, like a, like a dog with a bone, comes after David. Right? He, he takes a group of his men to pursue David into that wilderness. And David learned that Saul and his, his, his soldiers were after him and they were camping nearby. And so he decided enough is enough. Something has to give. And so David, he takes a friend, Abshini, and he goes and he talks to Saul. Right? That's, that's his plan. And that is where we pick up our story Today, So turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter uh, 26. And if you don't have a Bible, use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, and you can take those with you. They are free for you um, to use, to have, to give away, uh, just to keep. You can take those with you. You can, you can use them. But we're going to be in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. All right, go ahead and turn there. And as you're turning there, let me say this. Uh, they were there, right? They're, they're going to this, this encampment of King Saul. In the cover of the night, the two of them, they approached the camp, and everyone was asleep. And they find Saul, who's lying asleep on the ground with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. And listen, listen to what Abshini, um said to David. Chapter 26, verse, verse 7, it says this. So David and Abshini went right into Saul's camp, found him asleep with his spear stuck in the ground beside his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying asleep around him. God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time, Abshini whispered to David. Let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't need to strike twice. All right, keep your finger there, right? In other words, David's friend is saying, probably just with a big grin, right? We got him now, right? We got him now. This must be the work of the Lord. I mean, the spear is right beside his head. He's saying, let's kill him. And he's saying, let's kill him. In fact, I will kill him so you don't have to get your, your hands dirty. You can keep your hands clean, right? It, it seems like God's plan has finally aligned, right? And, and this whole mess was finally going to be over. But, but let's listen at verse 9 through 11 and see how David, David responds. He says, no, David said, don't kill him. For who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul down someday, or he will die of old age or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed. But take the spear, and that 
you know, jug of water beside his head, and then let's get out of here. Right? Not the kind of response, right? Not the kind of response that you would expect, right? Or at least not the kind of response that most of us would have given. Right? I would have been like, yeah, go ahead and, and, and stick that pig, right? <laughs> Take the spear. That's what I would have. That's what I would have said. But remember, right? Saul, he was more than just a, a bad boss, right? Saul was the the king with that single-minded mission to kill his competition, right? David was living life on the run, in constant hiding, in fear of what Saul might do if he were captured. And David has this chance to kill Saul. And be the king that he was promised he would be, promised by God himself. It would have been quick. It would have been easy. It could have virtually been guilt-free. But he didn't do it. Why? (laughs) Well, because in that moment, David knew something you and I tend to forget when it comes to authority. Take a look. David remembered that while God had told him he would be king, God had also kept Saul as king. In other words, David knew having a problem with Saul's authority was not just about having a problem with Saul. It was about having a problem with God himself. right? Because God had allowed Saul to still be king, to be in charge. And that moment, if God had not yet removed Saul from his position of authority, then it was not David's right to do it either. All right, take a look at this. You see, you see, you see the making the decision to keep Saul alive said more about David's uh, trust in God's authority than about Saul's authority. Keeping him alive, keeping Saul alive said more about how he trusted God and trusted that God was the thing he was forging his life on, trusted that, that, that God was the boss and not this man laying on the ground who had a vendetta against them. It wasn't about Saul's authority. It was about God's authority. His, his actions revealed that David trusted God and trusted God's control in a situation that just seemed out of control, chaos, right? It would have been easy to take matters into his own hands and no one would have blamed him for it. But in in that moment, right, David could have taken over control and eliminated Saul once and for all. Like we said, David understood that ultimately he was not in control at all. Right? And really, neither was Saul lying there on the ground or on his throne and, right, and in his castle, whatever, right? God was the ultimate authority. And respecting Saul's position was ultimately respecting God. All right, Founder Church, right? We may not be the next king uh, in line to be a king of a nation, right? Or work for someone who currently is. But listen, there will come a day, no matter how young we are, no matter how old we are now, there will come a day for all of us when we need to respect the authority of someone who does not deserve it. We will watch them get things wrong. 
right? It may be our boss, maybe the, the principal at our, our child's school, an officer, or even an elected official. And as hard as it is to do in those moments, we have to decide for ourselves whether or not we will trust God. Right? Well, we are not in a life and death a position like David. But we all have weapons that we can, we can wield against a person in authority over us. We can manipulate situations or people to get them on our side. We can uh, make someone's life miserable through our words and actions. We can determine their authority or undermine their uh, authority by, by talking about them behind their back. Whether it's a boss, a principal, a family member, whatever, we can give into the temptation to, to give back just as much grief as we feel that has been given to us. And in some cases, listen, we would be justified in doing it, right? right? But David's story shows us that if we're forging our life on God, it shows us this. Take a look. The authority of God is more important than our own personal vendetta. Right? Right? For, for, for a second, I want everyone to kind of tuck your toes in because I might step on them here for a second. Right? I, I, I love the church, and I, I, love, I love that God has chosen to use broken and messy people all around the world to achieve his mission here on earth. Right? But somehow, especially over the last few years, right, there seems to be people who forgot that our ultimate authority is the God of the universe before anything else. So much so that anytime any person in authority over us makes a decision that we do not like, we immediately just jump on our keyboards, jump online, and we start typing away about how awful this decision is, or how awful that decision is, or how horrible this, this group is, or how horrible that group is. Listen, we're not going to ever tell you who to vote for. I'm not going to tell you to do this or to do that, but I am going to tell you this, right? Take a look. The goal is for Jesus to be king, not us. All right? That's the goal, right? They're, they're, these things that we are fighting for, these hills that we're willing to die on, if it's not about Jesus being king, then it's not the goal. Right? Some of these things are very important. I would not disagree with you about that but they're not the most important thing, right? right? Was, was it important that Saul not succeed in killing David? Absolutely, of course, right? But was David willing to die for that? No, right? David knew the big picture. He knew the goal. He knew that this was not the hill to die on. This, this battle with Saul wasn't worth it. He had something bigger in his life, something God-given. One of my, my friends put it this way. Let's take a look. It says, with all of the boycotts and policy preferences, there comes a moment when we have forgotten the only hill that a Christian should be willing to die on. That hill is the hill of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. For my friend Ben, I never thought I would quote him. If the fight you're having right now on social media is turning people away from Jesus, it's not worth it. 
If the debate you're having with your neighbor is pushing them farther and farther away from Jesus and not pointing them in the direction of the cross of Christ, it's not worth it. Sometimes, like David, we have to take the higher ground because that hill is Calvary and it's worth everything. And that is possible. It's possible and it's hard. But it can happen, right? When, when we come to a place where we understand, like David did, that Saul's authority was less about Saul and more about God, we will be better equipped to honor the position of authority over us, even while disagreeing with how the person in authority handles it. Right? Imagine what it would look like in our lives to make the same choice David did, right? To, 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 to take a look at what it would look like if we did this, right? To realize, to realize when it comes to authority, right? It's not about them. It's not about the people in authority. It's about him, right? right? It's about God, not about them. It's about God, right? And then when we make the choice to believe that it is really about God, we are, are making and forging a trust in God that will serve us long-term, not just for the little bit of time that we live here on this earth, but for eternity, for eternity in heaven with him. Now, to be clear, in some, if someone is in authority is harming others through abuse or, or committing acts of great evil, we should not ignore it. We should deal with it. Right? We, should, we should help. We should uh, get out of the relationship. We should protect our, our, our dignity. But we're not talking about that kind of scenario here. Right? This is about those in authority who may be rude or inconsiderate or just simply a jerk or just does something a little different than we would. But they're still the boss. That's what we're talking about. Right? As frustrating and, and annoying as, as those characteristics may be, they do not give us permission to ignore, to attack, to rebel against their authority. We may not have control over what these people say and do, but we do have control over how we respond to it. As people who are forging our life on God, we don't have to react. We can choose how we respond. Because in all of it, God is more concerned with the part we have control of. Right, right, listen, right? David said to his friend, as surely as the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him. David had complete faith. God's got this. <laughs> I don't need to pick up this spear. God's got it. He's going to do it. You see, David knew that it wasn't hard for God to kill Saul. The Lord was more than than capable of killing Saul at any time, right? Every breath that Saul was taking was a gift from God. God could allow a, a wicked man to kill Saul at any time when it, when it came to striking down an anointed king of Israel because he was the anointed king of Israel at that time. God did not need the services of little old future king David, right? And the same is true today. Right, if God wanted that, he could take and do whatever he wants. Right? He's the all-powerful God that we are forging our life on. He doesn't, he doesn't need our help to do that. Right? He might call us to do something. Right? But we don't have to take matters into our own hands. 
for our own agenda, for our own purposes. He'll let us know what he needs us to do. Right? He needs us to control ourselves and our relationship with him and how we're forging our life on him. Right? David knew that, and so he spared Saul's life. And that's what's so interesting about this man after God's own heart. As the, as the band comes up, I want you to lean in here and get this. There will certainly be times in life where, where certain authority figures are in our life who are easier to deal with than others. Right? We're going to go through this like a roller coaster, and at times dealing with the more challenging ones will take work. It will be hard and potentially leave you feeling a little, little helpless. Right? But as hard as it is, the situation is not hopeless or helpless. We always have a choice. Right? David understood this choice, and we can too. When David was standing over Saul while he slept, probably just with a long, huge mental list of all of the wrongs that he had committed against him, David still chose to believe that, that God's authority and his personal response to that authority was the only thing that mattered, the only thing worth dying for. Right? You and I can decide to honor God by, by being in control of ourselves and choosing our response to authority does not make us powerless. Instead, it reveals the power that we do have. That is in us, the power to respond and not react. The next time that you are, are forced and facing a, an authority figure with who you struggle with, make the decision and remind yourself of this, right? It's not about them. <laughs> it's about him. The ultimate authority. The only authority that is worth anything. It's the God that we forge our life on. It's the God that we worship first, above anything else or anything else. It's the only God we worship. So let's stand and worship him this morning. Continue to sing praises to his holy name.